Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, welcome, greetings. It's another edition of Revolutionary Food Come back home to Africa. Come back home. 
Divine all blessed greetings and salutations, revelations, and manifestations. You are now sitting live with the Divine Prince and always in archive at your leisure and convenience here on both blogtalkradio.com forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince where you can listen to the show and chat me live on the show. You can also visit me here on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash voodoo tie v o o d o o t y e and my live listen in and call in number is area code 845-277-9143 845-277-9143 please be patient with me when you're ready with your question, comment, or request, do press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I will be more than happy to bring you into this conversation with other squared circle of gods and goddesses here on your revolutionary voodoo, New Orleans voodoo secrets and recipes. I'm always honored and appreciative of my regular listeners, my co-hosts, and my superstars of my show those who participate and ask questions and call in. Greetings to everyone, uh, to Kia, uh, Keona D. Carter. Thank you so much for moderating for us in the chat. Uh, am I missing somebody? Keisha Smith, uh, who do occultism? Thank you so much for being a powerful contributor to the show. Um, Kayla Talk, thank you so much for continuing to be here. Chris, Chris, 81, welcome back. Thank you for your participation. And, of course, all those who are on my phone lines, I greet each and every one of you individually and collectively. Again, when you are ready with your question, comment, or request, the number one on your telephone keypad, and I will be more than happy to reach out to you and bring you into the conversation. As always, we can't begin any endeavor without the acknowledgement of our ancestors. Our ancestors stand up in our DNA. For indeed, it has now been scientifically proven, something that we in voodoo have always known, and that is that ancestral memory survives in the DNA. So ancestral memory survives in the DNA. So, so the very likes and dislikes that you might possess, the very quirks that you might have, things that you favor or disfavor are an absolute result of the experiences the blood, sweat, and tears of the ancestors and those who came before us. We can do nothing, nothing without acknowledgement of our ancestors. And I teach my godchildren. I share with my mission to share with me. And that is, baby, you're getting by on your ancestors. You're getting by on your ancestors. Not always on your knowledge, not always on your common sense, not always on your perfected intuition, but more often than not, even in our ignorance, even in our blindness, our ancestors stand up as our first line of defense. They've had a human incarnation. They know the love. 
the joy, the hate, the pain, the trauma that we experience in the human life. So it is your ancestral army, your ancestral defenders who stand up for you first. But today we also acknowledge the spirit of the white cloth, the governor of the head, and also said to be the power, the Orisha, that fashions the body. Even infirmity, and infirmity brought on by too much palm wine, by the way. So there's always that reminder when we operate in, in the spirit of Obatala, of not just cleanliness, hygiene, purity, but also being of a sober mind, sober thought, not being too far to the left or too far to the right, not over-politicizing what might otherwise just be a viral offender <laughs> that we need to address from the medical perspective, but then also from the spirit perspective. We acknowledge Iyami and, and the great power of women. So powerful, said to be more powerful than humanity itself, than both men and women itself. The power to give life, to create and recreate, the power to nurture and to raise up humanity and, and each new generation of humanity. We humble ourselves to the power of Iyami. And of course, we acknowledge the power that cannot be called by name. The power whose sacred name we don't vocalize. So we say Obalu. We say Babalu Oye. And we stand up. Stand up now in this season. For my new listeners, my new callers, Babalu Oye governs infirmities, calamities, sickness, disease, those things that we battle in, in culture, in society, in life, within within the realms of humanity. My phone lines are hot. Please, I have hands raised. I'm going to go to area code 314. I'm going to say your area code two more times before I open up your mic. I always say your area code three times to give you time to tune down your background noise or whatever you know, and get it together before I open up the mic. Uh, my number is 845-277-9143. Ask your question, comment, or request. Make your statement. Stand your ground. Stand in your truth. And I will more be more than happy to bring you in. Uh, Eric Code 314, I am opening your mic. Who's calling from that Missouri this land? Is Wa- this, this is Wapani coming, calling from St. Louis. Greetings, beloved. How are you? Greetings, greetings. I have two separate questions, but my first one I had asked uh, several days ago, but I had to leave before I got the answer, and I don't know if you answered it anyway. And it was about the ancestors. I don't feel a connection to my ancestors because of the turbulence in the family. I just never had that connection. So my question is, how can I reconnect myself to my ancestors, and can I feel and hear them? Yes. Um, the last question, can you feel and hear them? Absolutely. Everybody does, even if they're not in tune, even if you're in denial, even, even if you're not at that stage in your development yet. Now, the first part of your question, 
want to make it simple, and then I'm going to go into some more complex explanation. The simple answer is be sure that when you say you're acknowledging ancestors, that you're not confusing that with the acknowledgement of relatives. Relative. Now, ancestors are re- related to you in the context of things. They are indeed your relatives. But when I say relatives right now, be sure you're not confusing your ancestors and, and their value to you with your relatives, your living relatives, and your relationship to your relatives. I was specifically it, thinking about Mert. <laughs> Hold on, because it goes, that was a great contribution, but give me a second, because it goes beyond just, quote, unquote, your relatives. Now, we indeed have relatives. Let me say this first, Rapani, for my listeners, for my ATR listeners. In Yoruba, we have egum. Egum means bone, okay? Egum can be a deity, if you will, that represents the dead. But then Egun, with an S on the end, represents the dead in the most literal sense that we understand. Now, it's not necromancy. It's not zombies. You know, it's not that. It's the people that you know, that you're related to, that have passed on and now are on the other side. Mert would be uh, uh, Egungu. We're talking about someone who did good in, in life, fixed, repaired, changed in life, stood up and manifested in their spirit power in life, uh, did great things in life, and then goes on into to the spirit realm to move on to heaven, of course. But then there's that set of egos that have chosen and have contracted to assist us in life. Those are the only egos that Those are the only ancestors that speak on your table, that move on your table. Not the ones that cause you problems, not the ones that are attached to the toxicity. Those egos we say are at rest so that they can be healed, repaired, and fixed. We feed them on the floor. We place our plates and our food and our and our cups and our in our uh, libation bottles and our offerings on the floor. But then I have an elevated table. Okay, <laughs> I don't want to give away all my ancestral work and divination. Then I have an ancestral table, and with people like Merv, my grandmother. For those who who don't know, my mother's mother, my maternal grandmother, she would be acknowledged on that table. So you might have pictures, you might have obituaries, you might have a high school diploma in a frame, you know, that sort of thing. Because we want to acknowledge those that are healthy. We want to acknowledge those that are positive. Now, Now, listen, I'm not suggesting that the negatives don't come up, that the family members that are problematic come up. In Haitian voodoo, that's get day. That's get day. Gede is never invited. Gede is never placated. Gede is never called. Gede just shows up with their glasses on, sunglasses on, and one eye missing, and cotton in their ears and in their nose because because they do represent the dead. Uh, They're closer to a corpse than an ancestor. 
because they are unsettled. They are unfixed. They are unrepaired. They are bound, if you will, to the earth realm because of something great that has to be adjusted, fixed, or repaired. And so they come show up at the party, show up at the ceremony. They they reveal secrets. They pull the covers off the people, people who who see themselves as most uh, uh, together and most tucked away, pull all your skeletons off the closet. That's get day. And so we placate them to keep them in the ground. We pour libation and feed them to keep them settled. But if we are not doing our work, and, and that's the shadow work that I referenced in my most recent uh, YouTube video. Uh, it's on Instagram as well. The shadow work with Pani is that stuff that we don't want to deal with, can't deal with. I know I'm buffering, 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 buffering. Um, I said I was going to ring my bell when I started buffering. <laughs> um, the stuff that we don't address, that we can't address, that's too painful to address, that will come up when, when one is doing ancestral work. And it's not for the purpose of um, it's not for the purpose of setting life or making you negative or depressed or dark. But those shadows have to be healed, have to be addressed. They represent that that is hidden from us, that that is just out the range of our our view, and, and they run along often. They skirt along often. Now, don't confuse them with shadow people. Shadow people can be a reflection of your shadow work. Shadow people can be a reflection of your own ghosts that are are not being addressed, that are not not being uh, uh, healed and then contained. So, you know, you you don't have to have their picture on on your shrine. You don't have to have their their items, you know, out where you have to look at them or see them or be reminded of them. Um, you don't have to call their name. Uh, in the tradition, right. we often call out the ancestors' names in the process. You don't have to call their name. But we do acknowledge ancestors seen and unseen. I say it in plain English. Ancestors seen and unseen. Ancestors known and unknown. Ancestors that would otherwise do goodwill. Ancestors that would otherwise help me and assist me in my best interest. And so if there's any development of that soul, of that spirit, of that energy, then it, it will assist you. Um, I made a reference the other day to, you know, maybe someone who's being robbed or, or, or attacked and, and, and the ancestor that might have contained the most violence in the family, that, that might have had the trigger finger in the family, may very well be that ancestor that stands up to defend you. Uh, in the course of that of that attack, so in that moment we are processing all the bad of that individual spirit, um, and so you don't have to call them out, you don't have to acknowledge them, but when they do come up, give them over to the ancestors. I'm speaking from experience right now. Um, of course, you're my blood sister, so we connect on a whole nother level. So I I don't have to say certain things for you to get it. Um, but in doing my own shadow work, when those shadows will come up, I would give them over to the ancestors. I believe and I was taught that the ancestors that know them the most, that had a, a hand in the rearing 
that had a hand in the experience, that had a, any involvement in, in, in the tragic that then got passed down through the bloodline. I, I call on them to defend. I call on them to protect. I call on them to handle whoever, you know, the problematic spirit might be. So, no, you don't have to honor them. You don't have to acknowledge them in that way. Uh, you can acknowledge ancestors in a, in a very general and generic way uh, without calling that particular name. But the, but the spirits, I, I shouldn't say spirits, but the ancestors, the souls that you want to call for, like murder, um, yeah, you, you call her name. I call her name all the time, uh, especially in, in anything to do with money or business. With me, beloved. I, I am. I had to unmute my mic. It was some background noise. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Um, so, so to be able to connect and hear ancestral voice prompting and um, persuasion, how do I do that, like, throughout the day? Do I need to set up? Because you don't already have a sanctuary. Do I need to yeah. set up a place of respect for them in their sanctuary? Yes, it can be it can be in the sanctuary, but it should be sacred space. Not that your sanctuary isn't already sacred space, but like your pulpit, like your altar, it, it should be set apart. It should not be incorporated with the living. So it shouldn't be any living people on the on your ancestral altar. It shouldn't be around necessarily, you know, where you keep boo-boo in them, you know, your, your cute pictures and stuff. You want that to be on your personal shrine or in well, your this personal is what, This is what I have, um, and I, it was just intuitive to do it this way. I have a table, a very antique-looking table in my closet in the uh, sanctuary, and okay. I have started cleaning that entire closet out to have nothing else in there. And then I was going to have, you know, her picture um, blown up and put in there. And um, I don't know, I just felt the need to maybe put a bowl of water in there. Don't know why. I just felt the need to put some water in there and um, some life, like some flowers and uh, some of my crystals for amplification. I just don't know what all I should put on that altar. Uh, yes, and, and, and again, I, I'm I'm stuttering because um, I I, I want to respond without giving away all of my all of my secrets. But um, you're already on point. You, you you're already close to the mark. Um, the elements should be represented. Earth absolutely should be represented. Um, keeping your 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 shrine in an altar or I'm sorry, in a closet or, or in a corner space is also highly recommended. Um, out of out of the range of traffic, out out of the range of your normal activity, if you will, even in the in that sacred room, even in that uh, sacred space. Um, the antiqueness of the table. Now for those who say, Oh well, I can't afford that, I can't find that, you know, th- there's a yard sale, there's thrift shop, but the antiqueness of the table adds to the the uh, ancestral energy. So the older the table, it, it's great. Don't feel like you have to get the oldest table possible, but 
but if you have one, can access one, uh, that's great. And it does not have to be a table that you're familiar with, meaning that it's connected to you or a family member. You can go to a show, sell shop, a thrift shop, um, a yard sale. I found stuff in the alley over the, over the decades, you know, that. I was going to say that, actually. Um when I start putting that thought out there of what I want to do, and now that I know that thoughts carry power, things just actually come to me. People give me stuff um, just arbitrarily, hey, I had this extra whatever, do you need it? And light bulbs go off like, oh, my gosh, I was just thinking that yesterday. So that's how I got the table. <laughs> it just kind of came to me. Yeah, that, that happened a lot over the years. Um, so, uh, and I'm going to answer the question about the mojo bag in a moment, uh, because it is it's co-related to what we're talking about. They're asking in the chat about, uh, can you do a, uh, uh, can I do an ancestor mojo bag? Absolutely, yes. Um, some people who have their ancestor working divination done with me, um, that's a part of their implements. It's included in their implements in some way. Um, but having the antique table, having it in the closet um, helps to already set up some of the organization that I encourage. You got still got the clean floor underneath. You still got the clean tabletop to work with. And, and quite possibly, depending on the development of your closet, um, clean shelves that you might be able to use above that, above, above your head. Um, or read, your head is always attached to your ancestors, just like your ancestors attached to you in the blood. Uh, so there's no way to have a mind, a head, a consciousness, a brain without an ancestral connection. So Ori and ancestors go go hand in hand. Um, the water was a great idea. Water invites spirit. So clean the water frequently. Um, throw the water out. Now, unless the water has plants in it, or fish in it, uh, other forms of life in it will, will sort of help to maintain uh, the natural organic uh, condition of the water. But even with plants or fish, you know, you have to care for that. Uh, but I like fish. Many of you know that I particularly have a preference for beta fish, B-E-T-T-A. Uh, beta fish, uh, I believe, come from the tropics or from Asia. Uh, they exist in small pools of water. Uh, they, can, they can exist in a puddle of water, if you will, or have a lot of uh, marshy uh, wetland-like environment. And, and that's why when you see betas in the store, they have them in those little cups. They aren't torturing them. The, the betas aren't uh, unhappy about being that confined. They can absolutely exist in that amount of space. But, but of course, I give them freedom at least five gallons, 10 gallons or more. Uh, and they're warrior fish, uh, so they can't be in a tank with another uh, fish, another uh, beta fish. Uh, now, they can be around females, but it should be three, four females, enough to sort of distract uh, them from some kind of outright confrontation singly. Um, but I like them. They, they mirror. I'm coming, beloved. They mirror part of who I am. Uh, so you want to have water. You want to have the elements on, on your shrine. Um, and, of course, you want to in, infuse 
imbued spirit on the shrine. Go ahead, beloved. Is it, uh, I don't know what crystals, I need to do that research, which crystals are okay to go in water, but if I have small, say, quartz crystals, is that okay to submerge in the water for amplification, or should I not just leave it on the outside? On the ancestral shrine, um, I would just leave it on the outside. I would just leave it on the outside, um, and I would be careful about putting crystals in water. Um, Absolutely, crystals can be very beneficial in water. They can charge the water, um, but your crystals can also be dull over time. The the water can absolutely damage rock over time. So um, your your crystals can become cloudy um, if if you expose them water. Now, you can buy what I call ice cubes, and ice cubes are like these really clear natural quartz tumbled and or polished. Um, they're good for going in water. They might get a little cloudy, you know, a little rough on, on the surface over time, uh, but, but you've chosen them specifically for that purpose. Um, another stone, uh, it should be in front of me, and it's not. Um, I believe it's called shungite, shungite, and shungite is used to purify water. It actually is it's a stone, a mineral that can be used to draw infirmity out of, out of water. Um, so you don't have to, uh, but you can. Um, you can. And well, finally, give me a moment okay. to address this um, ancestral mojo bag. Yeah, uh, ancestral mojo mojo bag can absolutely be made, created, birthed, if you will, um, to eat, to to go along with your shrine or your altar, but also something that you could carry or tuck uh, to carry your your ancestral energy with you. Um, of course, you would want to have some some ingredient uh, that manifests from from your family itself, from your from your bloodline itself. And, and that can be accomplished um, in other ways without necessarily creating uh, a bag. Uh, it could be the wearing of family members' jewelry. For instance, jewelry carries a great deal of energy, um, especially silver. Um, you want to be very careful with silver in particular. You want to make sure it's clean. You want to give it some moonlight, charge it uh, for, for a great deal of time before you put it on uh, because it absorbs our spiritual energy. It absorbs our psychic and, and moon energy. Um, so be careful with silver. Gold is a little bit more common uh, in terms of ancestral pieces. You see heirloom brooches and heirloom rings, you know, that are in gold a little bit more frequently than you do silver. I like to shop silver at uh, uh, antique shops, retail shops, thrift stores, uh, pawn shops. Uh, you can find some great pieces, some of the best pieces I've ever had uh, I've found in pawn shops. Uh, but again, you want to clean them, charge them, uh, expose them to the light, <laughs> you know, and do uh, all you can to remove any uh, energy that might, residual energy that might still be uh, uh, produced in the silver. And there will always be, to some degree, that connection to whoever owned that silver before, uh, but but it can be muted. It can be toned 
toned down. And of course, creating your pouch or bag from cloth or material, or cothism, uh, that, that you acquired through the family member, through the deceased family member, um, that also adds an extra layer of power and charge to, to your mojo bag. Let's see, uh, Kiana, help me out. Hola, hola, Risha, hola. Uh, where's my question? Okay, I got the ancestor mojo. I might be up to date on my question. Please type your questions in all capital letters so that we might see them and respond to them live here in the chat. I also invite you, as Kiona has done, to call in with your questions, comments, and requests at 845-277-9143, and I'll be more than happy to respond to them. We are buffering just a little bit, so if you aren't on the phone lines, <laughs> as Wapani and I are, you might be breaking up, and you might not be hearing all the power and manifestation and secrets that are revealed here <laughs> in this show. So I say it again for my YouTube Live, YouTube Live audience. If you're not listening in on the phone lines at area code 845 345, uh, not my face, 845-277-9143, when the buffering occurs, you, you're missing words. You're missing sentences. You're missing parts of the show. So I invite you to listen in, call in, but you can watch the show at the same time. Just put your the YouTube live on mute and get on the phone so that way there's no breakup in the continuity of conversation and content. I am always interacting with spirit. It's what I do. Wapani, as, as, as my sister and, and my friend and somebody who's, you know, been a part of my experience since birth, um, she knows that. She can attest to that. Um, and I can go into spirit. I can go into imagination. I can go into creativity um, with a breath. It, it doesn't take a lot for me. So that's the realm in which I am most comfortable in. So right now during this, this time of COVID-19, um, the ancestors do come through. The ancestors are speaking. The Orisha are speaking. The Loa are speaking. God Almighty is speaking. The God is, is speaking. Mother Nature is speaking. The universe is speaking. And as I stated in my most recent video on Instagram and, and of course, on YouTube, um, Spirit is calling us to be still. Spirit is calling us to be quiet. Spirit is asking us to be, to just be, and clarify who we are. Um, you know, we just had this great holiday for, for many of you, uh, a blood holiday, whether you understand that or not. Uh, it's a blood holiday. Um, and the question of should we go or not go, should, should we participate in this building or not participate, uh, some you know, organizations took a more radical position. And, of course, the, you know, the police get involved and, and, and the government and, and the judges get involved. Political thing, when it's really just a viral thing, 
being safe, being extra cautious, being protective for your family. This is not a question of, of faith. The question of faith happens at home. The question of faith happens with what do I now do as we challenge this crossroad? What do we now do as we challenge this, this moment in time space? So I truly believe that God and, and divine creative um, are, are calling for a timeout. But a timeout also affords us to stand up in our authenticity with, without our building, without our sacred spaces, without our normal routine. And it is in that environment that who you really are stands up in. Sometimes with plenty, I compare it to the military, the boot camp, you know, because they, they break you down. They try and strip you of your individualism, your personality. You're going to make up your bed the way everyone else makes their bed. You're going to dress the way everyone dresses. You're only going to have the same amount of property, you know, in your locker as everyone else has in their locker, you know, that kind of thing. And, and the purpose is supposed to be to bring about a greater sense of unity, organization, militarization, um, um, industrialization, so that you operate as a machine, a, as a unit, if you will. But spirit, spirit is asking us to stand up individually. Now, I know you have family and, and roommates and children and spouses and all that kind of stuff. But spirit is asking us to stand up individually in our truth. And so your faith is being tested. Your sense of worry or not, your sense of stress or not, how you respond to the triggers, all of that is, is, is happening right now. And what makes it so unique and fun to me is it's happening to everybody, you know, sort of at the same time. Now, it's happening in various degrees. Some people who live in the city, we're seeing the reality. I catch myself having to explain to people in the suburbs, explain to people in the country, explain to people in the, in the rural area who claim not to watch TV, who claim not to watch the news, who claim not to be in tune, you know, um, you know, they seem, they seem to hear certain things, you know, and not other things, and you and you have to bring it back into perspective for them. So we're being asked to be more spiritual now than we've ever been. We're being asked to be more individualistic right now than we've ever been. And, and I say that in a, in a positive way, not in a negative way. Um, being creative, being individualistic and being creative being able to think outside the box without necessarily having uh, outside interference. You might have commentary from friends, family, whoever you might communicate with on the phone or, or in social media, but, but this is your life now that we're talking about. This is our lives now that we're being asked to check and rebalance and reorder. And, and it's real. It's real. The therapeutic need is real. <laughs> What's happening in some some homes is very real. Uh, the divorce rate right now is very real, and, and people are responding in their truth. We see the dramatization of the pain. We see the dramatization of the problem, but people are, are, are indeed standing now. I'm trying to fix the buffering, y'all are indeed standing now in their in their truth. 
you have no other option. My screen is frozen, Rapani, so I'm not quite sure if I'm even on uh, YouTube live right now. It's going to take me a second to reload. My screen is frozen as well, but I always log into both. I put up the YouTube channel and mute it, and then I listen through Blog Talk Radio. Yes, I appreciate that. Beloved Kiona, is that you, 323? Greetings. Greetings. I'm trying to get the uh, the YouTube Live back on. It buffered and just completely went out. That's why I appreciate you always being present and giving clear and direct instruction <laughs> about people calling in so that when uh, stuff happens like this, you know, they can continue to hear the show. I understand, you know, and I'm sure you do too, uh, Kiona, and Wapani as well, that some of these people, some of our family that is participating in the show, um, are only doing so on their device. So they may not be able to call and view at the same time. They may not be able to use, you know, the YouTube app and then use the phone at the same time. So I get that, and I'm not putting pressure on, on those people. Because you're all over the world, and Bill, and Asia, and, and Europe. Uh, but those of you who can, uh, it's really more convenient for you if you listen in and tune in here on YouTube at the same time. Uh, you, you don't miss the details. And when one platform goes down, the other platform sort of stands up, stands up as a, uh, a backup. Uh, if I have new questions, uh, Please help me out with that, Keona. I, I do appreciate you. Um, and, of course, you and Rapani, your mics are now open. So you can call. Uh, you can just jump in at any at any time. Rapani's gotten quite good at it. And, and if you don't have anything to say, you can always mute yourself so that we don't hear your background. No, I have a question um, because the things that I used to be able to do, I can't do no more. And I was wondering, you know, what is happening because I'm understanding or, or overstanding, understanding however the proper terminology is, that there's levels of this spirituality. And so, um, like, I can't touch certain stuff or I feel, like, filthy or I can't hear certain stuff or I feel like just, like, I need to go bathe or I need to do, like, a burn palo santo. And so I'm just trying to understand, like, what what's stage is this where it's just you can't be around certain things or, or even um, touch it? Okay, two things. Um, we see that in initiation. We also see that in the wilderness. And for those who don't understand the wilderness, I'll come back and explain that again in, in a moment. Um, but we also see that with people who are manifesting gifts uh, without any guidance without any, any where awareness of what's happening, without any way of making sense of what's going on. Um, as an empath, because you're describing strong empathic symptoms, um, you're feeling other people's stuff. You're taking on other people's energy. And if you're not careful, it can make you depressed. It can make you emotional. Uh, it, can, it, it can manifest uh, a mental health uh, diagnosis. Um, all sorts of symptoms can, can manifest from that. Um, and it gets worse when you are thinking that it's you. 
uh, that something's wrong with me. I'm broken. Uh, I need to be fixed. I'm damaged. Um, It's connected to guilt-like energy, toxic guilt-like energy, when it's not put in its proper spiritual perspective. Um, You you begin to lash out and and take things out on other people, transfer energy onto people. Um, It's been a a time in my life when I did that. Bonnie can attest to me doing that. Um, And and then you have to get into a place, a quiet place, a separate place, um, sometimes literally and figuratively, where you can journal, where you can take notes, say journal. But this is a thick journal. (laughs) This is an unabridged journal. Because this journal is divided, you got your dreams, your daydreams, your creative ideas. Some of you just sit and businesses come up in your head and business ideas and artistic uh, stuff comes in your head. You should be writing that down. You should be noting that. Um, So another part of your uh, journal might be your dietary uh, regimen, what you're eating, what you're drinking how much nutrients uh, you're getting, how much rest uh, you might be getting, particularly someone who's manifesting spiritual gifts, divine gifts, innate gifts. Um, you should be going at it like, like university. You should be going at it like university medical um, and, and really documenting your experience for clarity. Often you're not going to get confirmation from, from other people. I didn't say from the outside because you'll get confirmation from life itself. Uh, but sometimes you will not get direct confirmation from other people. Um, you, you are more likely to get, girl, you crazy. What you're talking about, she kind of weird. Something's happening with her. Uh, that sort of thing. So um, you describe someone who's manifesting empathic abilities on, on a strong level. Um, that smelling thing, that that sense on your skin, um, feeling unclean, feeling um, dirty. You could also be pulling from from time behind you, from your past or from the past of, of others in your lineage, um, from past lives. Sometimes that that lineage thing shows up as past life manifestation. So that can all be addressed. Um, it, Always first in the crystal realm. I, I, I love the crystal realm. Um, it's your go-to pharmacy, you know, in some cases. Um, black obsidian, nice black obsidian. Um, black obsidian balls, for instance. Black obsidian spheres are my favorite tool for its black hole ability. Its ability to pull that negative energy, that toxic energy uh, into another dimension away from you. Um, Wapani, black obsidian on the ancestral shrine is great, Uh, especially on the floor. It it can go on the table, but especially on the floor. uh, It's a base chakra stone. So if you find yourself sitting on the floor with your ancestors, prostrating on the floor with your ancestors, um, kneeling and bowing before your ancestors, you want your black obsidian to be on the floor. Um, and, and it'll pull the truth to the surface. But anything else that's not useful, that's not helpful, uh, that's toxic, that's negative, it'll suck it right out like, like a black hole into another dimensional space to be purified 
and, and recreate it somewhere else. I say it all the time. All energy, according to, to Einstein, was created at the, at the Big Bang, at the beginnings of creation. So all negative energy, all positive energy, it's here. It's here. It, it, it can be moved around. It can, be, it can shape shift. Uh, it, can be, it can be conferred upon. It can be transferred away from or transferred to something, but it's here, like the yin-yang sign. So the black hole concept gives us a better understanding, a better sense of clarity about what's really happening with this negative energy we've removed. Even if you're familiar with the, the magical book story, the magical book and its story about the Bay of Pigs, uh, those, those demons, those gins had to go somewhere. And according to the story, the Christ sent them into the water, into the pigs, into the pigs, and the pigs ran into the water um, and, and drowned themselves. So, so that energy has to go somewhere. It has to be sent back to its absolute source. Then in, in shadow work, um, I send things back to their source, back to the origin. And if that origin is me, I have to be prepared to then cleanse it. When you work with Black Obsidian, you have to then be prepared to cleanse it, the stone itself, but also the energy that Black Obsidian brings to the surface. Unlike Black Tourmaline, which sort of shoots that energy away out either end of, of the Black Tourmaline piece, Black Obsidian is going to just sort of bring it to the surface, bring it to the atmosphere, if you will, and then allow you an opportunity to to clean it. Can I address the black tourmaline? That um, black tourmaline, it seems to be a really good friend to me. I've heard so many say, uh, we know someone in particular, you know, if they use black tourmaline or even hematite, bad things start happening to them. But I always believe that if when I use my black tourmaline, when I'm out on, on a trail, if I have to go out around other people, whatever negative is trying to come to me, uh, it seems to redirect it back to wherever it came from. And it works well for me. I actually wear my black tourmaline near my heart chakra and not my root chakra. Can you give me an insight on which is preferred, which is more effective and why does black tourmaline, some people can use it and some can't? It has to do with where you're, where you're vibrating, where you are in your journey. Your, your shadow work having been done, your homework having been done, and then the activation of chakras. Now, if you're stuck in a first, second, third chakra, black obsidian can manifest the illusion of problems. But they're generally self-created problems, problems that you feed it, that now come back chickens, that now come home to roost, if you will. Um, so, and, and I warn people, even that individual, my egg is black onyx. Um, black obsidian and tourmaline, I don't have a piece, well, I do have a piece of tourmaline, I would just have to not be... Uh, I would just have to get up and get it. But your dark stones are are lower chakra stones. They're base chakra stones, second chakra stones, third chakra stones. 
And so they're either going to amplify what's happening down there or, or they're going to mute the energy that's down there. This is my uh, black tourmaline. And as you can see, it has some roots on it. I believe that's a popolite root. Snow is called root. But I believe it's a, uh, it's a specific mineral is a popolite. Root is sort of a, a generic name for any kind of frosty, crusty, added mineral that you find on another mineral. As, as we call that an occlusion. When a, when, a, when a base mineral has another mineral present on it, that's present on it or in it, that's called an inclusion. And the included included mineral adds extra to what's happening with, with the base stone. So, yeah, uh, look how shiny that is of light. And light passes through it, rushes through it, uh, like fiber optics if you will. So it cleanses, it moves that energy around, we'll find. And it's moving it around out of you, but also out of out of people around you and your environment. Everything we do irradiates up to the edge of the universe and then returns back to us. That's why we create and we create our reality. And so you've done a great deal of your base chakra work, obviously. Second chakra work, third chakra work, and so the fourth chakra, now your heart, is being cleansed, is being purified. And, and not to read you or judge you live on air, um, you can still have blocks that's in that area for you and with you right now. Uh, because we don't always like the same stones. We don't always use the same stones. You might wake up one day and switch to another stone. Um, empathically, so right now, the black tourmaline is clearing out any blockages that might still exist with you and for you at the fourth chakra level. And that's a really good thing. Um, I don't typically suggest people wear dark stones above the fourth chakra, um, and particularly for long periods of time. Uh, there are certain dark or black stones that I don't suggest people wear uh, at the heart chakra at all. Um, so you, you brought up a good point. That, that was great. And, and the mineral, the stone, that I remember those stories distinctly. <laughs> it was Onyx that brought her bad luck. Callers, please, press the number one. I see you all listening to me because I can see people sitting in the whole pattern on Block Talk Radio. But your hand is not raised. So please call me at 845-277-9143. Do press the number one on your telephone keypad. I'll be, I'll be more than happy to bring you into the conversation. I was talking um, before uh, we got into addressing more questions about spirit speaking, and particularly right now um, during this time space. Even in the video, I mentioned um, be prophetic be creative, be imaginative. Uh, it's a thin line between being imaginative and being creative, drawing, crocheting, knitting, and going into the spirit realm. Particularly if your environment is quiet or your environment is still or your environment is peaceful or your environment, you know, you got all your, uh, 
your 9811, whatever the, the radio number is, wave music out of California, your soft jazz, you know, your bird sounds going on, and, and, and you're being creative. Your mind, now your right brain, is activated and allows you to go into sort of this creative realm. And so you're able to see and hear not just color and, and, and sound and, and, and energy and notes and music, but hear and see into the spirit realm. And so prophecy does take place. We know many songs, we can point to many songs that we can say are prophetic. Uh, we can point to TV shows like The Time. Um, during crises like this, and particularly during times of war, I probably only said this on air uh, once or twice before. Another gift that I have that I don't share with a lot of people, and I'm going to share with you right now uh, in, in the confines of this private space, uh, this sacred space, during acts of war, um, 9-11, uh, the Gulf War, um, I astral travel a lot. And I'll give you a great example. Uh, it's the Gulf War. And I'm thinking it's probably 19 meditation. And then the same thing happens in a dream as a reinforcement. Um, and it's the Persian Gulf War. I'm above the war like a genie on a carpet, except I'm on a cloud, not a carpet. And it's not a very big cloud. Um, it's just big enough. It's more like a chaise lounge, you know, just big enough to, to, to carry me. And I was in a very typical Middle Eastern uh, body posture. If you ever see them and how they sit um, when they eat or, you know, and, and, and in their cultural space, it was very akin to that. So I was comfortable. I was relaxed. Um, I was wearing fine linen. I had on all my jewelry. Um, but I'm floating, sort of riding at an even pace over the war. And I'm sprinkling dust. All I can call it is fairy dust. That's all I can call it. Spirit didn't give me a name for it. Uh, I didn't empathically assume, you know, some other name for it. So, so I'm all, since, since the day I had this dream, all I call it is fairy dust. And I'm sprinkling it over the war, over the U.S. soldiers. Then the U.S. soldiers begin to come home, and we hear these rumors that they may have been exposed to biological warfare. And it became clearer to me that I was offering some aid, some kind of protection. 9-11 came. Um, I, I wasn't in New York. I was in Chicago. Uh, I was on Chicago Avenue, state Chicago and State, in a high-rise building. Um, I can't remember what floor I, I lived on. Uh, 10, 11, I, I can't remember exactly what floor I lived on. Uh, but I was up high. It was, it was the morning of 9-11. Um, and, and I was one of the people who woke up and tuned in to it, you know, in time to really catch it in real time, not the, the repeated rebroadcasting, you know, that goes on all day and then days later after an event occurs. Um, so I was up 6, 7 o'clock that morning, had my folks coffee, you know, 
doing my thing on all the news, on all the channels, from all the sources. And so I'm watching this in real time. And again, spirit stands up for me and I leave my body. And I'm in 9-11. And I'm now free falling. But it's a controlled free fall. Um, and, and, And of course it was an hour or so later that they started showing people um, jumping from the building, um, basically trying to escape uh, the inferno to what they thought was their only their only option. My body, I find myself touching people's hands and touching people's head, and particularly their head. And, and I ask spirit, why? What's this up here? And Spirit said, because we're more concerned about people's heads than people's hands. Meaning, I'm not that concerned about hygiene. Um, some of you are already clean, super clean. Even before that, you just have to add another layer of cleanliness onto that. Uh, those of you who are actively, authentically operating in ATR, you have to be clean. Your shrine, your shrine area, your ancestral areas have to be clean. Your house has to be clean. Um, so I know many of you understand my voice already clean. If I don't worry there, um, my soulmate, I worry about the head. Someone who, who is caught up in the politics of the day, and what the president might be saying or what any particular set of politicians might be saying and are not looking at this as witchcraft, as viral warfare. Um, yeah, that's, it's a form of witchcraft in my opinion. So we not only have to be clean and concerned about what we're touching and what we're making contact with and what the people who don't show a whole lot of concern, it's the people that aren't worried very much um, that give me the greatest concern, that, that invokes the most fear in me. Uh, those people give me the greatest concern. So in my astral traveling, in, in my dreams, and even in my, my waking state during the course of this um, viral invasion, um, I'm, I'm seeing cloudiness, cloudiness, dark areas, areas with fire, and then a few just water, almost like they're drowning, almost like you're suffocating. And this is the time to do the work. This is the time to do the work. This is the time to be still and be conscious and be spiritual and be ritual and and be God and be goddess. This is the time. Um, I love the attention to the ancestors right now. I'm um, not just my sister, but you know my clients and my initiates and the people who are contacting me. People are really taking this serious. Um, I, I can't say I've seen another time when people were this serious about getting their work done. I wanted to get unclogged and unbacked up, literally and, and figuratively. Uh, people are paying attention to their health, absolutely. Uh, people are exercising now without even having to leave the house, without even having to go to the gym. Uh, so 
Serena Williams, I think it is, has a, a real popular series of videos that she's been doing, you know, lifting gallons of milk, you know, doing exercise that you can do at home uh, without going to the gym. Well, this is the time Spirit is saying, you can't go to your churches. You can't go to your mosque. You can't go to your synagogue. Don't let that be a crutch. Hear what I'm saying, religious folks. Don't get offended. Don't let that be a crutch to your manifestation of spirit. Don't be so attached to your magical book that if you don't have it, you're without power. Because that suggests that the power is not within. That suggests that you don't have the power. That suggests that you're borrowing the power. You've written the power. You, you co-leasing the power through, through some object, person, place, or thing. So, so your spirit, your goddess, your God, your ancestors should be able to stand up whether you're at that physical building or not. Sure or not. And people, as, as Wapani is doing, are creating sacred space now at home. Um, I'm doing a lot of ancestral work right now. I'm, I'm doing more work right now than ever before. Um, people are, in a humorous way, people are, are going to church right now. <laughs> people are going to church right now, but they're doing it at home and they're doing it in ATR. Uh, they're doing it in Voodoo and Ifan Yoruba and Akan and, and, and other indigenous traditions. But people are going to church right now. Uh, and, and I believe the spirit. I believe the ancestors. Always. And so we're being asked to be still, to be quiet, to be contemplative, to be meditative, to be happy, to be hopeful about the to be creative, to be self-creative, to be reproductive. Remember, I, I predicted a baby boom. <laughs> Come Christmas and going into 2001, uh, we, we don't have a lot of babies coming into the world under these present conditions. So just be. You're not being asked to do anything. You're not being asked to, do, you know, recreate the will. You're being asked to recreate yourself. You're being asked to be original, to be individual, to be independent, to be autonomous, to be unique right now in this moment in time today. You're not being asked to shake off your belief system, to shake off your, your religion, and, and neither am I. Hopefully, prayerfully, I'm giving you a tool, a greater tool, to address result-oriented work, realities that we all as humans, that humanity is confronted with each and every day. I often refer to that as the weather, that's the weather. We don't cry when it rains. We don't cry when it snows. We don't cry when it's windy. We don't cry when it's when it's hot, you know, and, and, and the the ground is parched. You know, we wait on, on on the weather and we do what we can to adjust, protect, and be prepared. It's just a new weather. Whether we haven't experienced in a hundred years or more in over a century, and we're being asked to just be still and just be, just be still and be, be. 
And so people are reading and people are watching movies and documentaries and people are writing and drawing and crocheting and knitting and working clay and uh, working metal, welding metal and, and just being creative. And so the world is going to be so colorful in 2001 and 2002. And some of you, particularly those that I'm working with, are going to be quite successful, if not wealthy in the coming year. Because of, not because of, you know, some magical money fall out of the sky. It's because of the creative energy of their own hands. That, it's in their, in their hands right now. It's divinely innate and parent. The, the money is, is already there, but they have to create. They have to draw it. They have to write that book and, and get it completed for the publisher. They have to crochet. They have to knit. They have to create their jury product, you know, to, to meet their goals. And so, therefore, the success, the prosperity that we want, that we need, is already in our hands. It's already in your hands. But it takes your head, your ori, to release it. Your head has got to give it permission. Your head has got to let it out and let it go. And if your ori is blocked up, particularly that shadow stuff that we don't see or choose not to see, um, then we find that we have challenges along our journey. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Um, I welcome you. Thank you you so much. Thank you so much because I needed to understand that because I feel like I'm I'm going crazy because I can't eat what I used to eat. Um, My body is rejecting it. I, I get nauseated, you know. I can't look at what I used to look at. Or even now, like I cuss like a sailor, I'm having to even stop from doing that. You know, everything is just hypersensitive even more than what it, what it has been. And, you know, um, I've been accused of being a lesbian because guys fight with me and I'm not interested in them at all, you know, and completely turned off. And I, I'm just not. I'm just into spirituality and business. That's all I care about right now. Amen. And I'll say. I can remember back in the late 80s, I was in California. I'm, I'm going through my personal growth and initiation and transformation. I can remember consciously being aware of a rejection of certain meat, particularly beef and chicken. I can remember the first time that I, I sat in front of a piece of chicken, and it was, it, it was different to me. It just looked different to me. The size wasn't right. The texture wasn't right. The feel of it in my mouth wasn't right. And so that was the beginnings of me becoming vegan, vegetarian, and, and now subsequently a flexitarian. Um, same thing with, with ground beef. And listen, this is before I found out that they were pumping carbon dioxide into your package. And when I say packaged meat, I mean when you buy ground beef, pork chops, raw chicken, and they wrap it in the plastic and put it in in that freezer section. They pump carbon dioxide to the meat to keep it red, to keep it looking fresh, to keep it looking natural. This is the truth now. Um, Some kind of dye or something looked like was being put in the ground beef. Uh, and, And then even if I could get my mind to get beyond what it looked like, my mouth and my body wouldn't take it. 
um, either I couldn't get it down or, or it wouldn't stay down, if you know what I mean. So, uh, yes, that's a part of the process. Uh, people change their attitude towards food. People change their attitude towards um, stress and how they confront stress. I'm sure Wapani might, might agree with me. Um, I fought Wapani. Wapani has lost a great deal of weight over the years, and she doesn't often talk about that, uh, how she did that or, or what that means. It means a lot for me just watching it and, and experiencing it with her. Um, so, I can yeah, touch you on that if you like. Please. Um, actually, I started going through a paradigm shift before I ever lost the first pound. I had to start looking at a different model and seeing myself in a different way. And it wasn't even about losing weight. It was about total well-being, mind, body, and spirit. And so many of us become afraid to even make that leap because it's going to affect everyone around you. But sometimes you just have to take yourself and make yourself the priority and not make everyone else the priority above you. So I had to change the way I was thinking in my relationship with food. And I started finding other outlets to bring me comfort or satisfaction besides food. That's when I started walking. I got from Mert, our grandmother, um, I went from a plate down to a saucer and started eating on a Well, first I went from two plates to just one plate. And then I went from eating a two-pound symphony candy bar every day because I weighed almost 300 pounds to just eating one of those Hershey nuggets or two a day. Um, And then I went from one plate to a saucer. I cut out all sweet nonsense, Kool-Aid, soda, cut all of that out of my diet and started just drinking water. And on those walks, that served the purpose for mind, body, and spirit because for me, it wasn't even about exercise. It was about having a space where I could hear God clearly when I'm alone and developing that aspect. And I just it changed everything, and I, um, in the end, when I finally settled, I had lost about 130 pounds. Congratulations, and I'm, I'm soaking up everything because in my, in my ignorance of coming out of Christianity, the calling is crazy, and I felt it as a child, but it's getting more and more and more and stronger. And as a child, my mom used to always tell me, like, you don't know who you are. And, as, and I was a child, I didn't know what she was talking right. about. I thought she was crazy. She was like, you just don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. And so I remember now that she's passed on, and I just keep thinking, like, Lord, like, all I, and, I, and I know I'm not supposed to say Lord and different things on this path, but I just keep thinking, you know, because that was what I came up in. All I want to go into meditation and worship mode, meditation and worship mode. When I come out of worship mode, I want to go into business. You know, I want to heal. I see something and I immediately want to heal it. You know, but then I'm, but then I'm cognizant as to everything because I can't touch everything. So I'm sensitive as to if this is a battle that I want to go up against. You know, and it's like, what, what am I experiencing? What am I to do? How do I come out of myself and just give to the calling and not worry about being judged for voodoo? Not worry about being uh, told that I'm a witch or demonic when, when I'm still doing a call of the create, answering my call of creation as to what I was, why I came here. You know, so thank you so much. And I listen, I, hear that. I want to say too that walking is greatly 
underrated, greatly underrated. Um, even, you know, the way Wapani said, you know, that I started walking. Um, it's a bigger thing than just walking. For me, my prayer space, I do my best prayer, my best connection with spirit when I'm walking. Um, it's, a, it's a meditation. It's a, right. it's a worship. It's, it's, it's a ceremony uh, in many ways. Uh, I also feel the same way about biking. Um, I love to ride my mountain bike. Um, and I love organized trails, cities that have organized trails through the woods or through the mountains or, or through the creek area um, where you can really get out and, and, and connect with spirit and yourself. So um, I appreciate that. I appreciate you sharing your story, sharing your experience. I would invite others um, that are listening with us right now to do the same. We have a people who are listening on the radio um, and, of course, that are, are listening, sharing with us in YouTube Live. And I invite you to call me at 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. And it is not just Omolu, Babalu Oye that we acknowledge uh, in the ritual calendar of things uh, on today. But also you may have heard me mention that every night at 6 p.m. U.S. Central Standard Time, we ring bells. Church bells ring, people ring their bells, and, and of course I invite you um, in, in the ATR community to do the same at 6 p.m. Wherever you are uh, for a minute or, or, or two, just to ring bells, ring bells over your work, ring bells over your shrines, ring bells over your ancestors, ring bells to acknowledge the unified spirit, the unified power that we possess change and transformation in our own image, in our own image. So we can imagine a world without this virus. We can reimagine a world where we're not challenged uh, in the way that we are in this moment. But bigger than this moment is the, is the new world that we exist in today because we're not going back. The world that we thought we knew before, uh, we're not going back to that. I know some of you are slow to get that. Uh, and, and, and if you're watching the news, that's not helping because we've gone from, you know, two weeks into April to April 30th to May 30th. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, spirit has already showed me. We're not moving for 90 days. We're not moving till July. And even then, if we are moving about, it'll be, an, it'll be a different world. We may still very well be wearing masks. We will be handling business, banks, retailers in a very different way. They will not get a grip on this for at least a year. Some of you who trust in humanity, who trust in doctors, who trust in science, who, who trust in medicine, and I do too, even they can't get a grip on this for at least a year. At least a year. So lean into the transformation. Surrender to the transformation. And do it from a position like I have where you can be happy about it. You can enjoy what's happening. Where you can use this moment, this, this pause time, 
to your best advantage. I'm, I'm telling you, I've cleaned, I've reorganized, I've moved furniture around in here by myself. <laughs> you know, um, I'm, I'm doing the work that spirit would have me to do. I've readjusted my shrines. I've moved some of them around a little bit. I've, I've brought some things together to, to do and address new blockades of energy. This is a blockade of energy in the spirit realm in terms of how we address uh, what we're facing right now. And the key, the shortcut, for those of you who are always looking for the shortcut for something, is to do the homework. So I appreciate those who are reaching out to me by way of my website at www.houseofthedivinefriend.com. And, of course, my email address at D-I-V-I-N-E-P-R-I-N-C-E at houseofthedivinefriends.com. And always send your your offerings and donations uh, by way of PayPal. PayPal.me forward slash the divine friend. And, of course, divine is D-I-V-I-N-E. If you put D-E, I'm not going to get it. I'm not going to get you. And so I appreciate you. My call-in number is area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. And you're ready with your question, comment, or request, please do press the number one. That virtually raises your hand so that I can see it on my switchboard here. And then I can open your mic and bring you into the conversation. And, of course, if you're in the chat, Kiona will help me to see your questions, uh, whether they be in all capital letters or properly uh, accented with punctuation. We'll be more than happy to respond to you today live here on Revolutionary Foodies and Recipes. Revolutionary. Revolutionary. What does revolutionary mean to you? How do you understand and interpret Revolution. What is your your knowledge of the history and background of revolution, and particularly revolution among our people? Revolution and its connection to to voodoo. Revolution and its connection to mothership. Revolution and its connection to maroonage. Revolution and its connection to protest. Standing up, being heard doing things a different way. And so, yes, Kiona mentioned, you know, it's a new day now where we must organic and authentic in, in our demonstration. And, and so walk in what we say we walk in on social media out there in them streets. To walk in what we say in, in social media with our family and our friends. And so I often, as shady as it might be, I ask, do your grandmama know you're with do your mom and your daddy know you're a voodoo priest? You on here saying you're a voodoo priest, but, but do your mom and them know? Do, do your uncle and them know? Do your brother and sisters know? Or is this just some fake, some mask that you put on for social media? Some perpetration that you do and the assumed uh, you know, autonomy of the internet, where there is no autonomy, by the way. But it's assumed that you can't see me, you can't hear me, you don't know who I am, 
I'm just so you remain, you know, out here on this platform and so I can say and do what I want. And, and some people get a sense of freedom from that, you know, as crazy as that might sound. And so people perpetrate all kinds of things. Wealth, prosperity, celebrity, political and religious platforms. And so ATR is no different. ATR is no different. We are perpetrators of the tradition, you know, of Apollo and Conjure and, and whatnot. Self-proclaimed, professed witches, you know, that only found out about <laughs> the tradition, you know, three months ago, you know. So I get it. I do. And that's why I show up every day, particularly in this time right now, you know, when many people are home and and uh, bored or aggravated, you know, one or the other or both. I try to be present and, and bring truth and, and, and stand up in my truth in a world that often rejects my truth, that often rejects people who look like me, people who live like me, people who love like me. So I have a drive to do it. People ask, how do you do this every day? Doing a show of two hours, three hours, it's like a job every day. But I have a drive to do it. It's, it's who I am. It's what I would be doing if the camera was not on. It's what I would be doing if you could not see me right now, if you did not know me right now. So I live for these moments to speak my truth, and I invite you as well to speak yours. And I invite your questions, your comments, your your criticisms, your shady little innuendo. I, I invite them now at area code 845-277-9143. And then press that number one, and I'll open your mic. And I'm here, too, um, to serve. You know, I, I am I'm here truly to serve. I stop whatever I'm doing, wherever I'm at, because this is my calling. Physically get sick when I don't give heed to the spirit or give ear to the spirit or a follow-through in my head is getting louder and louder. So for me, it's service. You know, it's not a chore. It's not a burden. It's truly service because it's my calling. Well, I'm grateful for you that um, that's, that's been your only symptom. <laughs> for me, uh, my life had to be turned upside down many times. Me too. Uh, I had to be I had to be homeless. Um, I had to go through hell and back uh, to get some level clarity. Um, and balance. So it's not just me, because I thought I was going crazy. I thought I was I mean, going I'm, crazy. I I, I, mean, I thought I was going crazy because I've been going everything that you're saying. I'm sorry to cut you off, but you just lit a fire in me. Because I'm like, what with, is it? Why does it take so much for me? Why, what what am I doing wrong? Why does it take so much? You know, everyone else can do this. Why am I different? And you just hit the nail on the head. But but aren't you listening? I mean, haven't you been listening? Not just to me, but but to society. Um, there's a little saying: um, "To whom is called, much is much is required." I did, I did, but I still required. wanted to give. I still wanted to give way to myself. I still wanted to try to blend in, you know, like uh, Joan and the Will. 
the story from the magical book, you know, not to say that's me, but that's just the, you know, I wanted to, to just say, okay, I hear you, but I'm going to do this. And I mean, <laughs> my mom likes to say, God speaks in soft, still voice. A soft, still voice. And I added to that by saying, it won't shop with you. It won't argue with you. It won't debate with you. You know, it's going to sit patiently, silently, and wait for you to be still, for you to be open, for you to hear, for you to listen. And not just, you know, okay, I'm listening. No. Listening even without the inner debate, even in our own thoughts, without the inner back and forth. Um, so when we can't hear that, it often will show up in other ways. And dreams, Wapani, is one of the ways that that will manifest. So our dreams are not just, you know, I ate bad Chinese food last night. You know, I, I had bad Mexican last night. I had too much absolutely are real according to Einstein in, in the theory of relativity. Dreams are absolutely real but they exist in another dimensional space and we exist in 11 dimensional spaces at once to create and recreate our reality. And within those spaces there is a space that mirrors to some degree our waking reality but Certain things might be off. You know, the color changes might be different. Uh, There's another dimensional space that doesn't mirror our reality at all. And so it's as wild as your imagination. It's as creative as what you can imagine and or envision. So paying attention to our dreams, as I say almost every day, is critical, critical. And journaling them are important. Spirit will often speak to us things that we can't hear, can't see, can't process during our waking state when we are dreaming. Our dreams are also a product of, you know, the natural organic function of your brain trying to organize all of your thoughts, put all of your thoughts in the proper folder, in the proper time period, in the proper order, in the proper priority, et cetera. Um, And all the pieces are not always present. So our brain will then fill in the blanks. I talked about the little uh, uh, meme that we see in social media where the poem or the, or the paragraph, all the words have mixed up, jumbled up interior, but the first letter and the last letter remain the same. And depending on the state of your consciousness, some of us can see and read that without any problem and know exactly what's being said. Whereas others, it's just some jumbled up stuff and they can't make sense of it. So paying attention to dreams, interpreting dreams, being able to sit and meditate on a dream. Uh, it's very important with Pani. Sometimes uh, what's happening in the dream, in the moment, does not manifest itself right away. And we don't always remember our dreams. Even 15 minutes later, we don't always remember our dreams when we wake up. That's why I strongly suggest that you, if you are able to, and particularly right now, that you wake up naturally. Don't be woken up. Don't get be woken up by an alarm clock. 
allow your body to wake up naturally. That, that's one of the things that in this present modern society, many of us, we lost contact with, with what that is. The ability to lay down, sleep, sleep to the fullness that your body wants, and then wake up. And, and like teenagers do, when their body is growing and, and the hormones are raging and, and the, um, the growth hormones are doing, doing their job. Uh, our, our consciousness requires a certain amount of rest, a certain amount of time to process, you know, life and what's going on around us. And to be able to wake up naturally um, is a special thing now. People who have to work, people who have to get up and feed the kids or get up and feed the dog, you know, or, or respond to an alarm clock because they have somewhere to be. And take that time to journal what you feel what you can remember about your dreams, uh, the details that happen in the dream. Now, Pani, I'm really curious um, uh, about the details of your dream, but let me look at Keisha Smith's comments first. Yes, with you uh, with the dream and Keisha Smith's comment, but I apologize for cutting you off um, when you were talking about uh, what you had experienced when you were coming into um, on, on this path, have studied, studied and mastered other paths. And so this is Kiana, and I. Uh, if you once you, um, you know, go in the order that you choose with the dream, yeah, I really am interested. I'm really am interested in hearing about that because I'm experiencing, um, coming out of and still experiencing what you what you said that you experienced on your, on your journey. Yeah, I was responding to Rapani's chat question about dreams. And, and and she asked, could we talk about dreams? We know Pani has a lot to say. Um, and so tell us about this dream, uh, if possible. Um, and that was sort of my segue, my entryway into that conversation. Go ahead, yeah. Um The dream, well, it's two dreams. The, the most recent dream, I was walking through a hospital with a group of people. We were going to visit somebody in ICU. And they kept playing over the loudspeaker this song over and over again in a loop to the point where I started humming it. And it had a very soothing, comforting melody, just this beautiful melody. And um, somebody made a comment, girl, you know you can't hold a tune. And I was like, you got me. Mm-mm. And so I started singing it. And everybody just stopped and looked at me, and I actually shocked myself because it was pitch perfect, and the words were so deep. Now, the problem is when I woke up, I woke up humming this melody, but the words started leaving me quickly. The more I tried to think about the words, it was like trying to grab mist. And then the melody started leaving me. And I was wondering, dream, I know it had a significant meaning of comfort. It was a very spiritual word. You know, like God was talking to me. The words were like that. But was it just for the moment to bring me comfort in that moment? Because that, that leaves the pattern of the reoccurrent dream that I've been having about different ways of drowning, like tidal wave washing over me drowning, then water coming up from all over the city, rising up to like 10, 20 stories high and, and burying me in a, in a building. 
I've been having these drowning dreams repeatedly in different ways of being drowned, and then I had this one dream with the uh, the comfort. Okay, yeah, you confused me when you uh, threw that this other dream, the drowning dream in there uh, towards the last. But I think I think I got it together in my head. Um, you call it the comfort dream. I'm seeing and hearing something completely different. Now, it might be comfort. It might be about spirit speaking through a song. Uh, it, it may even be about you capturing the song, writing the song down, and, and then subsequently, you know, performing the song, singing the song out here in, in the real world. But my spirit points more to it also representing that which you might be denied, that which you might be contained, that creative part of you which really wants to burst forth and, and come out, you still might need some pushing. You still might need some med- some, some motivation. And you might think, oh, wow, I'm motivated. I'm, I'm out there. I'm right where I want to be right now. Uh, but, but that no, dream... <laughs> That you could be, yeah, you could be better. You could be, you could be greater, and you very well could be uh, holding back on on skills and abilities that, as I said uh, a few minutes ago, could be bringing you great prosperity in, in the coming years if you would get beyond your comfort zone, your fear of, or your insecurity of, or. And I'm not reading you right now. I'm, I'm just speaking in general to anyone who will be listening to this. Um, getting beyond your blocks that are preventing you from being creative. I guess I'm also responding to Portia uh, uh, Simmons about rubbing aloe vera together uh, with other plants. It could very well be, you know, your ancestors or your spirit guides even telling you that there's some greater knowledge of this you need to obtain. There's some some outward demonstration of this dream that you need to be actively uh, uh, participating in. So it could be about a ritual with the plant. It could be about healing, um, beloved, with the plant. Um, it, it could have been many things you could have been doing with the plant. But I think more importantly, the rubbing of the aloe vera with other plants together uh, suggest some brew, some mix, some concoction, some potion, uh, and be careful that you're not creating some co- concoction, some potion um, in real life and, and mixing up elements that you think you're familiar with with elements that you're really not familiar with, which might not resolve uh, entirely in the way you, you want. So, so I want to talk about dreams with Fanny. I agree with you. And I wish um, more people would call in now to 845-2779-143 and talk about dreams, among other things in the context of revolutionary voodoo, New Orleans voodoo, secrets and recipes. Very code 310. 310, I'm opening your mic. Expand a little bit. It might be open now, 310. Greetings. Who's calling and where are you calling from? Hello, Divine. This is Julia Rose in New York City from your comment section. 
Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for calling in. Now, if I can be just a little bit shaken, just allow me, please. Divine yeah. is an old drag queen from the 1970s. She did. I'm Divine. Okay. Okay, I'm Divine Prince. Okay. <laughs> Go gotcha. Here, um, what did you want to say? I think you made a really interesting. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course, yeah. and um, I think you made a really interesting comment today, and I wanted to ask you how you, okay, because yesterday was a holiday. Um, there has been a slight division in my family because of um, my great-grandmother's beliefs and how she tried to raise, I'm the oldest of six kids, and she tried to um she tried to instill in us spiritual ways away from Christianity. And myself and my second sister are the only ones that have really pushed forward in our um, other spiritual beliefs. But um, yesterday was a Christian holiday. And I find that because I stand so strongly in my spiritual beliefs, I get a lonely kind of feeling, and I wanted to ask you, do you feel that way? Because the majority, like I kind of feel like an outsider. Do you get the feeling that because majority, I have no idea if all of your family is all the way into it or if they're not, but majority of my family is still very Christian. So I get these feelings of, loneliness during these Christian holidays or feeling left out? And how do you combat that emotion? I want you to breathe and breathe again and like Moses in the Bible, I am. I can't hear you. Oh, I put it on mute. <laughs> I put my phone on mute because the last time I felt like I was talking okay. over you. I didn't want to do that. Go ahead. I need, you to say, I need you to say I am. Like most in the Bible, I am. I am. Say it again. Am. Now I want you to say I am enough. I am enough. And that's your answer. That's your answer. You are enough. And if you're in line with spirit, if you're in line with your ancestors, you're in line with God, you are enough. You are enough. If you're not bringing harm, if you're not bringing division, if you're not a part of the confusion, if you're not a part of the drama in your family, you need to breathe and sit in the truth that you are enough. Now, for me to say, oh, no, that wasn't my experience with my sister listening, that would be a lie. Absolutely have I gone through uh, degrees. I've gone through isolation. I've gone through being ostracized. Um, I've gone through, you know, being the problem child, you know, before because I ran away from home before the the truth, if you will, 
of the madness that was going on in my house became public. So at first, I was, you know, I was, I was crazy. I was doing something wrong. But then I, you know, you carry that into your adult life, and particularly when you have this spirit energy that, that, that's walking with you, um, where you do all you can to sort of conceal that light to some degree, and people still see it and still respond to it and, and not always respond to it in, in the most positive of ways. Um, I've never had a quote-unquote long-term relationship. Um, so I absolutely can say I, I understand, I get that feeling. And it's not very many people that I can call right now and talk about my life the way most people, you know, chat with their girlfriend or, or, or their buddy, you know, uh, about regular course of life. It's very few people outside of Wapani and my mother, um, who, who many of you know is an evangelist, book author, and minister, um, that I can really talk to about my life at all. Um, and I'm talking about voodoo. I can talk about voodoo with Wapani. I can talk about voodoo with my mother. I can't talk about voodoo with most of you. Um, I, I'm either going to get sort of that Arisha romantic um, elementary school level, you know, let's talk about, you know, love spells and, and binding. Uh, I'm, I'm not even going to get Arisha in its most authentic context. I'm not going to get the language often. I'm not going to get the Yoruba because a lot of us are still struggling to, to, yearn, to learn it or, or not even trying at all. Um, so it's very few people that I can even hold a conversation with um, that, that are either not trying to get my help, seek my help, or are not trying to tell me something. So I get it. I do. And just like now, with this quarantine, you're being asked to be still, to be quiet to realize, to know who you are and, and what exists within you. Because see, once you, you understand that, you don't feel alone, lady. You don't feel cut off. And it then begins to also show up in, in your real-world time. Uh, people will be present for you. People will show up for you. People will come to your aid. And it doesn't mean that you change. Um, I haven't, you know, I've changed. You know, to say we have not changed would be a negative. We all change. We all should change. We all should continue to grow, develop, transform into something better, to be renewed into something better. But, but to some degree, I'm, I'm the same person that I've always been. But I have people around me now who accept my walking and my authenticity, and so they meet me where I am. So I don't always have to be super social. I don't always have to show up at the party, show up at the club, show up at the event. I'm grateful to Juan LaFonta. This ain't a commercial, but let me give a shout out right now to Juan LaFonta. Uh, he's a personal injury attorney uh, here in the city of New Orleans. Many of you know Juan LaFonta because of the Big Frida Juan LaFonta uh, bounce commercial. Uh, but I want to give a shout out to Juan LaFonta because I, I talked one day on air about being dehydrated and needing some water, you know, because at that time um, I did not have uh, the proper uh, uh, clothes.
cleaning mechanisms, you know, to drink water out of the tap. Um, and so I, I, I was just off the cuff talking about I needed water, and Wanda Foster showed up at my house like 15 minutes later uh, with with water and plenty of it. So be be open to yourself. Be open to who you are. Be open to the universe. And know that when you hear, you know, old folks say, you know, God takes care of me, you know, the goddess takes care of me, the ancestors look after me, that's more than just faith talk. That's, that's tried in the fire experience speaking. And particularly in the case of me, um, I'm not the ethereal, up-in-the-air kind of psychic fortune teller. Um, I'm, my feet are very much planted on the ground. Um, and so things have to make sense to me. Things have to add up. Things have to be repeatable, doable, uh, documentable, if you will. And so I'm, I'm a living witness of the power of what the Orisha can do. I'm a living witness of the power of what Loa can do. I'm a living witness of the power of what God and the ancestors can do. And how they will stand up. If we would just get out of the way, often we just won't get out of the way. And, and we show up as a part of the, the challenge. And the illusion appears to be outside of us, existing in, in, in the physical world in some way. When, when it's really a reflection of who and what we are. A reflection of, of how we're truly walking how we're truly standing. And so I invite you, especially right now during this time, when, when all we're being required to stay at home. I'm watching. Some of y'all are moving around, and, and I just don't get it. I just don't get it. People that I know. Now, I, I have one. You know, I get it. You have to work. Somebody has to do it. Uh, fortunately, they're working at a location that's closed because of COVID, so there's no real foot traffic. But you're still out and about. You're still in contact with public transportation and, and Uber and, and, and the like. Um, you've got to be really conscious. I'm not saying, you know, don't handle your business, but you've got to be really conscious, cleaner than you've ever been. And you've got to be conscious enough to be aware of things that normally your brain moves to the subconscious and you aren't thinking about. Like how we touch our face several times a day without thinking about it. We we touch our face. And so we also touch things, people, places, and things. So you're getting any out of the Uber, you're touching the car door. What are you touching in the Uber? And then how, how quickly do you transfer that back to your faith? Unless you're conscious of it. Unless you're walking, you know, you ain't distracted by what's going on. Your concern is not making contact with the only way. That's the only way. The only other way is to stay home. If you can stay home, if you're not, you know, essential employee, if your job does not absolutely require it, by all means, if you can afford it, you should be at home. You shouldn't be moving around and moving about and, and being and social. And the booty call is off limits. I don't understand the booty call 
thing in this environment. That I don't get because you don't know where he's been for the last two weeks before he showed up at your house. <laughs> you don't know where she's been, you know, all day at her job with, with her six kids. You, you don't know. And, and, and that's plenty of opportunity for someone to be exposed to this COVID. You do understand that children are getting this. People are dying from from infancy to, to 55. People are dying. People are getting sick with this. So you all have a clue. Uh, let's see, beloved. I can't pronounce your name, though I can see it. Nikon, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, but I greet you in peace and love for being present and offering us your question. Uh, just give me a second to read it. Uh, once a person gets off of their chosen spiritual path, once they start again, do they start all over or from where they left off? Oh, beloved, that's a really good question. Um, that's a really good question. First, I want you and everybody listening to the answer I'm going to give to suspend any idea of religion. So think in a in a indigenous context. Think in an old world context. As I give you my answer to that, there is no such thing as getting off the path of your journey. There is no such thing. Uh, I know what I'm here to say is going to sound religious, but I don't want you all to be thinking religious. Um, backsliding might mean something to the people. The people might ostracize you. The people might set you aside. The people might look at you differently. But that ain't got nothing to do with God. And it don't have anything to do with spirit and the move of spirit. So there's no such thing, even voluntarily. Okay, so I voluntarily got off my path. And, and, and so now I'm, you know, doing bad things, you know, ingesting bad things, eating bad food, uh, uh, quite possibly going back to, you know, a, a religious perspective that don't work, you know, for me. Again, that's, that's personally chosen conflict. As painful as it is, as intimate as it is, um, as important as it is, it's chosen. Because you still have to stand in your truth, whether you're in the church house or, or, or the voodoo house. The mosque or, or, or in the elect. You still have to be authentic in your demonstration. And the magical book says you can't have two masters. You can't serve two masters because you'll love one and you'll despise the other. You, you'll you'll uh, be, be used and abused by one, you know, and, and be aggressively thirsty for, for the attention of the other. You can't serve two masters. So, again, there is no getting off the path. Um, there, there, there is periods where we have blocks, roadblocks, digressions, make mistakes, you know. But the path, um, I'm trying to make this easy. The path mirrors your life. You can't get off life. You can't cause life. You know, your birthday is going to come around in, in accordance to the planet, regardless. 
time is going to keep ticking regardless. So there's no such thing as um, about getting off the path. Um, you, you just pick up where you are. You just start again where you are. Now, if your path has ever been authentic, then that which you have gained, like jewels, will always be. They can't be damaged. They can't be broken. If you've gained Ewa Pele, if you've gained decent character, if you've gained uh, uh, morality, integrity, uh, truth, that can't be waned. That can't be turned off. Um, so be careful about mixing, not that you said it, but be careful about mixing any ideology of the past and what the past should look like, and particularly what the past should look like to other people. Don't, don't get that mixed up with, with the truth. And the truth is, is that, that you're walking in your truth every day, even when you're not walking in your truth. You're still walking in the truth. God's not going to say, okay, well, you know, you you were having a bad day. The God sees clearly who you are at every at every step. The ancestors see who you are at every step. Often when I'm doing ancestor work and divination, I, I say, you know, the ancestors know what you have and what you don't have. They know what you're wasting, and they know what you're saving and putting away. They know an urgency from what's important to you. We often say, oh, it's urgent. I can't tell you how often I get that. How often it's so urgent until we get into conversation, until we have to talk about donation, until we have to talk about doing some kind of homework. Not quite so urgent. It wasn't really that important. You know, it might take me a week to read your response. So, no, there's no thing, of beloved, of getting off the path. There, there's no such thing. We, we take a detour. You go down the wrong road. You know, we do that. You, you get off on, at the wrong uh, exit. You get up. Okay, you're going the wrong direction on the turnpike. But, but there is no um, getting off the path. Because we can't put down our obligation to the past, we can't put out our, put down our responsibility to the past. Whatever happens in the course of life, while you're quote unquote off the path, still it's going to be being docked on your life chart. It's still going to be held responsible to you for what you did or did not do, for for your awareness or lack thereof of awareness. So spirit knows where you are. Spirit knows what you know. Spirit knows how authentically you're you're interacting with, with spirit. You know, people can put on a suit and tie and go to church every Sunday. Don't make you religious. Don't make you spiritual. Don't make you devout. Don't make you a Christian. So if you're a, a real quote-unquote Christian, you ain't got to go to church. You ain't got to put on a tie. Your, your, the truth of your identity that doesn't you know shared from you, you know, and and that's the reality of COVID nine. The the truth of who we are right now has to come to the surface. You don't have a choice. 
The truth of who you are has to come to the surface right now in this time. And, and this time, this moment in time has a duration to it. So my new listeners, I, I already said earlier in the show, at least July, at least. And even then, it's going to be a new world that we're going to be awakened to, stepping out into. You know, we, we still might all be wearing a mask or something. There's still going to be rules and protocols. This ain't easily going away. Uh, beloved, if I answered your question about the spirit path, uh, or you need more, let me know. Uh, Portia says, what about people that doesn't have a home to go to? Because of the virus, um, you talking about like homeless, homeless? Because um, I've been homeless. I, I've been chronically homeless from the time I left home as a child uh, up until almost thirty something. I was chronically homeless. So are you talking about physical? Okay, listen. I have empathy. I have sympathy for you. I almost got emotional. You know, I, I get being homeless. But I'm not lenient spiritually on, on you or gotcha or client or anyone else about addressing spirit, even while homeless, because I did. I had to. I had trying set up in, in the bottom of my locker. Okay? I made sure I had a storage unit when I was homeless so that my stuff could be secure. My clothes, you know, whatever could be secure. But I had a shrine set up. I had crystals with me. I had my magical books with me. Um, again, beloved, it's about really being authentic to who you say you really are. And particularly now when you're homeless. I went to the cemetery more than ever before when I was homeless. I went to museums and libraries more than ever before when I was homeless. You know, particularly if you don't have a job right now or your timing is, you know, budgeted, because I know we got kicked out at 6 o'clock in the morning. So you were either going to a job, going to look for a job, going to handle some other kind of systematic appointment, you know, or you found you something else to do. And, and for me, that was, you know, I always had, I was a vendor, I always or had a job, I always had some sort of income. But that downtime was in the park, at the beach, at the river, you know, in, in some sort of sacred space, you know, even if it was out in the natural, um, where I could be peace. Now, you know, if, you, if you're looking for somewhere to go, and, and I don't mean community centers, organizations, Day centers, those places that I would have first sought out might not necessarily be open right now. The museums might not be open right now. The libraries might not be that accessible right now. I don't know um, because of the virus. Um, so you have to be creative. You know, use your internet, search for books, you know, on the internet if you have to. Um, but by all means, find a place out in nature where you can be free. You need at least some places outside of that life, being homeless, where you feel free 
where you still feel feel whole, where you still feel the truth of who you are. Um, so I always dressed nice. I, I wore my finest clothes when I was homeless. I dressed like this when I was homeless. Nobody looked at me and said that I was homeless unless I told them I was homeless. And often when I did tell them I was homeless, it was because I needed something. I needed to arrange for something. Uh, and it was always to my best interest. Um, just be careful, beloved. Um, be careful, especially as a woman. Be careful. Um, I, I, you know, be creative about weaponry. You know, get you some mace and get you a big crystal, you know. These are items that could, you know, be gotten in and out of shelter without any kind of drama. <laughs> you know, I once got caught with a knife in the ball of my shoe trying to come into a shelter and, and got barred and ended up sleeping in an abandoned meatpacking facility in Atlanta uh, for a whole summer. In fact, if you're familiar with Atlanta and you're at the Greyhound Station and you stand in front of the Greyhound Station, you know it's a hill right there. And it's condominiums and, and apartments and one of the tallest buildings that you can see from there, which is now uh, a condominium. It used to be a, a meat packing facility. And when I stayed there, I mean, it had been empty for decades. So it wasn't in there, nothing in there but dust. Um, no trash, no, no nothing was in there. It was just concrete and dust. Uh, if there were rodents, we never saw any, um, never. Um, and so we had furniture, we had battery-powered lighting. Uh, I had a wind-up radio. I had a battery-powered TV. I mean, you know, we would we would join it right, um, me and some people that I met along that journey. And so we accessed resources together. We know where the food was. We know where the cleanest bathrooms were. Um, you know, because when you're homeless, you need to be able to access a bathroom at your leisure without any drama. Um, so uh, we knew where the big bathrooms were. We knew where the clean bathrooms were. We knew where the, the bathrooms that had a lock on it were. Uh, you know, you have to, again, do your homework. You know, I, I knew where the resources that I needed so that during my downtime, that time when you're just out there um, waiting on 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock or whenever the time is that they will let us back in there, um, I was in my world. I was in the spirit world. I was in another place. Um, I spent a great deal of time being homeless in Chicago. And so the lakefront was my sanctuary. The lakefront was my church, especially at Belmont. Some of you are familiar with old Belmont Rock. Um, they were huge boulder, just position in the place, almost theater style. And over time, the weather would move them around, so little niches would open up in them, little cubby holes. I mean, there were cubby holes that you could literally step down into and have rock over your head, and no one would even know you were there. So crazy stuff would happen, and eventually they started tearing up the rock and putting in this new concrete facade. But that's where I would spend a great deal of my time. I could smoke there in peace. I could dream there in peace. I could hear and listen and tap in to spirit in peace. I could cleanse my crystals in the water and then let them get sunlight, you know, without a whole lot of disturbance other than people looking on, like, you know, wonder what the heck we were doing. But um, I totally get 
being homeless for Shaju. Um, and if you need information, if you need resources, please, beloved, please. I have a strong homeless ministry. I have a strong prison ministry. If you need anything, email me, email me, and, and I can see what kind of resources um, may be available to you in your area. Uh, so um, I'm here for you, beloved. Uh, well, Pani, um, I see you must tend your gardening. Okay, beloved. Well, you you go right on ahead. Ain't nobody mad at you. I'm going to end the show uh, very shortly. Anyway, unless I get some questions, comments, requests, or raise hands on the phone line that I don't have before. Oh, okay. Um, Hadasha. Hadasha. My apologies for the delay in reading uh, the Block Talk Radio chat. Um, I see you now. I, your question is, I'm trying to help my son find the path. I'm also trying to get myself and my house in order and move forward without any outside limitations from anyone. I do not have a problem with self-isolation because that is where I hear from my ancestors. I also do not want to serve my job anymore. I like how you said serve your job anymore. Most of the time, I am surrounded by people who are not my tribe. Any help with moving forward? Okay, Hadasha, and I pray, Hadasha, um, 1955, that I pronounce your name correctly. Um, and I appreciate you using the blog talk radio chat. Um, and and, and I, I, I sometimes I get to talking and I don't remember to switch back from browser to browser. So I appreciate your patience um, and, and staying with me um, while I answer your question. Um, I've been there. I don't have sons. You know, I don't have a father of my children. You know, I, I'm not you. I don't, I've never had a house. So that's not what I'm saying. But I've been there. I um, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and if you want to talk, um, I can open your mic. Erico 201. Thank you so much, Hadashi, for being with us. I opened your mic. Thank um, you, Divine Prince. I appreciate you. Did you want to re-ask your question, or you want me to just go ahead and respond to it as you got it typed out? No, you can go ahead and respond. You can go ahead and respond. I'm, in, I'm listening. There I came on the show late. There were several things that I like about what you said, and particularly the wording that you use, um, trying to help your sons find the path. They're going to find the path. How old are they? I have one that's 21. He'll be 22 in May. I um, have another one that's 24, one that's 33. And I know that they, they, they're very spiritual in their own way, but we're not all on the same page. My youngest one right now poses the biggest challenges and his challenges started when I was going through a lot of trauma with my family following the death of my mother. And I'm I'm still trying to heal through all of that and do what I know that my parents would want me to do. But my internal family was the practice. 
My apologies for that. We were a lot of a lot of it's a lot of parent a lot of problems following the death of my mother. And then at the same time, my son started to have problems. My youngest one. Um. Again, I appreciate your, your questions and comments, and particularly how you are wording your questions and comments, mm-hmm. because it shows someone who is spiritual, who is on the path, uh, who is open to hearing spirit, um, but but might mm-hmm. also be open to some sort of adjustment. Now, yeah. Please forgive me. I hate when people call in the middle of my stuff. Um, and typically, they know I'm on air when they do it. Um, and I can't feel calls that way. They have to use uh, area code 845-277-9143. Um, when you mentioned the age, Again, my my apologies. Yes. So when you mentioned the age, that rang a bell for me in terms of, you know, how much time do we have to mold our children? And, and at what age of, of development or maturity do they uh, begin to make their own choices, to make their own decision. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we mm-hmm. might say it's too late to affect our children to, to some degree past a certain age. Now they could choose to listen to mama. They might have mm-hmm. the kind of personality um, some children do, you know, where they're going to sit and listen to, to, to mom and what mom has to say. But a lot of times um, they're set in their ways at that point. They're set in their way mm-hmm. at that at that age. Now that doesn't mean that you can't still affect them, but you got to be willing to do the work. I know even when I look at the case between me and my mother, um, I grew up in some horrible conditions, horrible conditions, um, and my mom carries a lot of guilt about that even to this day. And religion mm-hmm. or, or mindset played a whole lot to do with why when it was happening, it was allowed to happen. It was allowed to mm-hmm. continue. And so 30 years later, you know, we get clarity, we get understanding. We now, you know, want to get it right. So you got to look at you and what you're doing and what you're demonstrating and adjust that. Adjust that. Shine more light on that, um, and, and, and you will still manage to reach even adult children in a positive way that they will absorb and, and ultimately demonstrate. Now, I want to be clear, because when you started talking, um, in your email, you, you sort of got to help them find their path. But then when we started talking, it sounded more like um, page. P-A-G-E, we're not on the same page. And and what does that mean, the same page? I want, to, I want to be sure we're not talking about any expectation that everybody 
would have the same belief or the same religion. Um, you know, well, everybody's not always going to be. It's like, it's like at first, you know, like if they, they used to see me burn sage and incense. And, you know, I would tell them about energy and, you know, like they'll say, oh, they don't believe it. Or my husband would like be totally against me, like burning a candle or something. And I would try to explain to them about, you know, negative energy and positive energy. But then now I started to realize that, you know, there are some things that they're showing me where they, they're getting it, but they're getting it at a different, you know, a different pace. Everybody's learning it their own their own rate of understanding um and you know i had like you said i got to look at me as well because i remember when my mother used to try to show me certain things when i was going through some of my own you know my own problems when i was around my son's age my youngest son's age i didn't want to receive it either but now i get it so i'm taking that into Go ahead, beloved. You're taking that into consideration. I'm I'm taking that into consideration that I, too, had a learning curve, and they, too, have a learning curve. So I get that part. So when I said us all being on the same page, I'm at a different stage of learning than they are right now. So I'm still trying to teach them as I'm learning that you got to be aware of these things. You got to really raise your consciousness or your intuition. Like if you're going to go someplace and you just get that feeling like, no, I don't need to go, follow your intuition. And so mm-hmm. just to even explain to them, especially the youngest one, what intuition means, because I believe and I know in my heart that my youngest one is the one that's very gifted in these things. Parent, and what I understand at this point in time, he is the gifted one. He is the one that will step in my shoes if anything was to happen. He's just not there yet. So in the meantime, I'm trying to protect him and school him at the same time because there are some things that are happening with him and around him that, one, I know he's not he's not equipped to handle at this point. He's trying yeah. to be independent, mm-hmm. but he's trying to be independent in the wrong way and I'm trying to keep him from getting into further trouble or falling into these traps that are being set for him. And that I understand, I really do. Um, again, at the at the age of your children are they're, they're adults, um, and so they're going to experiment. They're going to do things you don't agree with. They, they have right. to now learn on their own. And sometimes we learn the hard way. Sometimes we learn, you know. On the brick, as we used to say in Chicago. So you mm-hmm. can't throw that. All you can do is influence that by your right. demonstration and remain present for them, remain open for them. Never, you know, put them in a position where they don't feel they can come to you or talk to you um, about what you know what might be happening. But you yeah, got well, my youngest, my youngest. My youngest did get to that point where he stopped talking and and he stopped being honest. And we we never used to have that relationship before everything started to go crazy. Yeah, well, that, that, that's actually what happened. Point, another point I wanted to make, too, is um, find your language. Find your words. 
read, read books, okay. read documentaries, and then expose them to the book, to those documentaries, mm-hmm. and so that everyone finds their words. Um, if you can't explain it, you don't. You can't expect them to get it. If you don't have all the words to to make it make sense to them, you can't expect them to get it either. So, um, you know, me and my mom would sit and watch documentaries about voodoo, about marijuana even. We watched several mm-hmm. documentaries about marijuana. Me and my mother. You and know, these, 20, and these oh, are things years. I've been trying to get him to watch. I'm glad you said that. About that, yeah. I've been trying to also get him to watch um, things about about um, voodoo, people playing games, doing things to derail you. I've been trying to get him to, not to not to instill fear, but to instill that consciousness. Right. You understand? Right. I have I have been trying to, and sometimes I feel as though like they they were running from it. They didn't want to listen, but they cannot say that I did not try to let them know that these things exist. They're very real, and sometimes sometimes it would be coming from people who you loved. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. When there's a when there's some type of war going on, a battle, or you know issues, which there were, and I saw it, and I, I saw it, I felt it. My ancestors was communicating it to me, and I immediately started to try to protect us because I knew it was going on, but the rest of the people in my household didn't know what was going on, especially my husband because he doesn't believe in none of this stuff. So. I'm the warrior he, in the house. Is, is he religious or formally religious or or none of the above? None of the above. I mean, he went to church when he was young, and he looks at his family members who go to church that he knows that are very hypocritical, and he sees things that's happening in the world, and he questions even God. Like, how could God allow, you know, babies and people to be, you know, tormented or or killed in in storms, or you know, just affected by this. And he 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 looks at the church as something, or the body as as he questions it. Like he doesn't believe anything at this I mean, point, which kind of shocked me because he wasn't always like that. I don't find or that. Either, I didn't know that. I don't find it shocking. I mean, so far the way you describe him, you haven't said anything shocking. I mean, there's plenty of reasons to be disgruntled with, with the church. There's plenty of reasons mm-hmm. for people to fall out with religion. There's plenty mm-hmm. of reasons for people to question God right now. And so, I mean, he don't sound all that crazy to me. Uh, what, what, I, what I am suggesting, as I suggested um, a moment ago, is that mm-hmm. no one has, has words what's happening you are still on a journey of finding words even for yourself you're still learning and transforming for yourself so that makes it very hard for you to explain to other people something that you can't fully explain um exactly. or putting the words for yourself so you know you can't mm-hmm. force the documentaries on them you can't well you know hey come here make them sit down and watch you know but you can continue to watch them for yourself, read the books for yourself, gain a better, 
vocabulary and way of communicating um, culture and religion and okay. spirituality and bringing new ideas um, to them. Uh, and you'll see the growth. You'll see them change. Um, I, I use my mom okay. as, a, as an example. There was a time I couldn't talk about anything. Uh, I couldn't talk about Christmas. I couldn't talk about nothing. Meditation. You know, right. for most Pentecostal evangelical Christians, all of that is witchcraft and, 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 and black magic and, and wicked. So over uh-huh. time, it took time. It took over 20 years, you know, of, of life experience, of the two of us growing individually and separately in our lives. You know, I found out over time that, you know, my mama was watching certain things on TV that I never thought that she would watch um, when I did the Big Free to Reality TV show. Uh, and, and mm-hmm. you know, call my mom and tell her about it. Uh, mm-hmm. I didn't expect her to know who Big Free was. I didn't expect her to tell mm-hmm. me she had, had already seen the show and, and, and knew, you know, who these people were. So mm-hmm. be forgiving. Allow your family some space to, to be wrong but to also be wrong and then grow and then be exposed uh, to, to information that allows them to grow and, and improve from that point. But you can't judge them if you're not doing the work. You got to do the work. I, I know from my own experience, I'm... I couldn't explain food very well in my 20s. Um, and so mm-hmm. people still wouldn't get it. It was still digressing to an argument. It would still become a religious mm-hmm. challenge for people. Um, it took years of study and practice to find my words and my and my finesse, so to speak, where I can talk to people about voodoo right now and it not escalate uh, into a free for all. Mm-hmm. You see, earlier you was even talking talking about um, homeless, homelessness, and I was thinking of a brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I believe he's actually staying with a cousin right now, but he's not He's not stable. He doesn't have a stable place to stay, but he created this problem. And I reached out to him recently because he drives Uber. I reached out to him just to see if he was okay. And he lashed out at me like he's angry with me. Because he's blaming his situation on me, whereas he created this problem for himself, and, and he hasn't been able to see what he's done wrong or even, you know, try to, like, compromise. And, like, I want to help him if I can, but I don't want to fight because, again, you know, if if I do wrong... I'm the person who's usually able to admit that I do wrong when I realize I'm wrong. But he's not that type of person, and I don't want my brother to suffer out there. But at the same time, I don't want to, you know, try to get him to come around and then it become a battle because I don't yeah. have no room for that in my life right now. So I'm, I'm saying that. It's like, how do you help somebody? How do you help somebody who's, otherwise angry with you because they didn't get their way and they may be in this situation. Okay, but if he angry... You can stay with some... You can stay with somebody and then after a while they turn around and put you out. Is he angry that he didn't get his way or is he angry that you did not help him? 
No, he. I I think he's angry because he didn't get his way because he actually was in charge of my mother's estate for a period of time, and he was like selling properties and and just plundering the money. And I had to go to court, and the court ended up giving me in charge of the estate, and I had to go and pay back, you know, back taxes and a whole bunch of other things plus pay attorney fees. So because he's no longer in control of the situation, he's angry at me because the the court gave me control to try to pull everything back together. And it's been it's been a burden to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I didn't create his situation because the situation was there from before he even came back to my state. Yeah, you what you know, what you're trying to avoid right now, beloved, is 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 becoming becoming a part of the problem yourself. And I, I hesitated just then because you may already mm-hmm. have become a part of the problem yourself. And what I mean by that is you definitely don't want to become the enabler. That's someone who helps someone to maintain a condition that's not good for them. Um, right. Because it, you know, helping somebody out sometimes is not the answer to fixing their problem. Uh, it's just a shortcut okay. to, the next, to the next problem. It's just a shortcut to the next right. crossroad. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, people have to learn. People have to grow up. Mm-hmm. People have to mature. Uh, if they're not handicapped, if they're not, you know, gravely disabled, if they're not a child, uh, God and the God expects us to grow and, and to mature and sort of take responsibility um, for ourselves. You mm-hmm. become a problem when you create a codependent or continue to feed a codependent relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And that, again, being, being the rescue woman, the fix-it fix woman, coming to the rescue, but he doesn't and is not required to change or to grow or, or to improve. So, so you become part of the problem. Um, and, and not in, in in an entirely good way. You, you're now not helping. You you may even be feeding the problem uh, by mm. giving, you know, or by helping. Particularly if we were looking at drugs, well, alcohol, you know, some well, other. Well, he told of, he he pretty much he pretty much told me he pretty much told me to you know back off, and I did because I realized he was just bitter. But you know, you can't say that I didn't. You know, try to find out about him. You know, I don't want to enable him because I don't have the room in my life for that. I've been I've been down that road too long. Yeah, you, know. you send your love, send your love, be supportive. Block Talk Radio, we might get cut off because we're running out of time. But give me a moment, I can now, what is the best way to reach you via email? There was some intervention I didn't hear.
Okay, please forgive me for our start radio. Uh, I'm back. I had to answer my door. Um, yeah, you don't want to create, beloved, a codependent scenario, uh, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, when I say literally, you know, giving money necessarily, and, and that's not helping. I'm always showing up, and that's not helping. I'm always being the fallback woman, and that's not helping. So that's that's one way. But then there's also that emotional labeling. Um, there's some people mm-hmm. who I don't hold conversation with because it's going to be negative. It's going to be toxic. Yeah. Now, mm-hmm. that's not every negative conversation. There's some negative conversations I will entertain. But if I deduce, and I can deduce in a matter of seconds, that you're not going to hear me or listen or talk about it, then I'm not going to say anything. It's not worth my time. So you've got to stop feeding the sad story, the sob story. Um, in the 12-step program, they call that the war story. You have to stop mm-hmm. listening to that. You, you have to stop being present for that. Um, when, when, okay. when he goes into the negative, the end of the conversation. And, and you might have to say, hey, hold on. Somebody's at my door. Let me call you back. You know, okay. but, but get out. Now, when that don't work, I hang up. One of my best friends loved to argue, loved to debate. And, and, when, and when it gets heated into that level, click, click. Mm-hmm. I hang up. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. I, I can't get through, you know. Now, the next day, everything is cool. And, and, and I can explain myself often the next day. I, I, I then can say, okay, I hung up on you at the point when the conversation and you said, and I can use that with everybody. Mm-hmm. That's why me and that person are still friends. But you can't even nurse a doctor or therapist, the jailhouse, you cannot help anyone that does not want to be told. Period. If they're not ready to grow, if they're not ready to evolve, if they're not ready to change their scenario, no amount of help from you, no amount of assistance from you, no amount of, of, of emergency money from you, it's going to help that person to move forward. In fact, it, it can delay the process of them getting in touch with their true selves. Their true mm-hmm. identity. You could actually be delaying that. And and you know I'm a strong supporter of women. So so be clear about what I'm getting ready to say next. But women are often mm-hmm. in the position of enabling and keeping nonsense and bullshit going when all they have to do is stop. When all they have to do is say no. When all they have to do is pull out, pull away. Leave the situation. And, and, and often, it's at that point that, you know, they hit their rock bottom. The guy gets mm-hmm. his retribution. The guy gets his karma. Now, now, there are some cases where it don't look that way at first. You mm-hmm. know, you, you stop dealing with it, and, and then they sort of go on, and all of a sudden they seem to be happy with the next person. That's just an illusion. If, if they don't okay. address their issues, the issues fall, follow them. 
I know Paul, I, I digress for a moment because you're talking about your family member. But 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 no, but now, what you said, I, no, I was, you didn't digress. You didn't digress. Okay, I, you actually confirmed. I was also speaking to women who are You listening. actually confirmed. You actually confirmed. You yeah, actually confirmed. So there's some women who are listening who are putting up with the same scenario, but it's a man, it's a husband, and he has become codependent. Mm. He has become a problem, you know. And and you have to learn to say no. You have to learn to say no. And and you'd be amazed at how people, both men and women, sometimes will really change when they're back in a corner, when they have to, when they, when they don't have to have any choice. There's very few people who go sort of go through that fire uh, and then find it comfortable and sort of stay there. You know, when you see the wino on the street, or you know, you you ask. How do you become homeless, but then stay there for a decade, for ten years, for thirty years? So a person has to really want different, has to really see different, has to understand that there's a different life, a different option. Yes, and it's it's so strange because it's it's funny you say that because how I perceive how I. My conclusion of what's happening with him is my mother enabled him and another brother and his sister. But the other brother is it's okay. You know, he has his home or whatever. I, I would see him as just, he, he ran. He ran out and hid. He didn't want to be responsible. The younger brother was definitely enabled by my mother way into adulthood. I'm talking about when he was in his 40s. My mother passed when I was 46. He's two years younger than me. Um, my sister was in her late 50s, and it wasn't until after my mother died that everybody began to see that she was completely dependent on my mother and actually abusing her. And I was the only one that was outside the house, like outside of my mother's responsibility, financial responsibility, yeah. because I was married and you know, working and all that. But everybody else had the potential. Mm-hmm. So to make a long story short, I could be wrong with my conclusion, but I don't think I am. They they saw me as being stable and having support because, you know, my husband worked hard. He takes care of the family. But we, they don't realize that we struggle together. <laughs> Nobody yeah. give us anything. Yeah. So and that happens after my After my mother died... I had no idea. I learned after my mother died and all of what I, how I have to live and my struggle and serving the job and, you know, trying to hold it all together, being superwoman. I had no idea how much envy and malice was in my bloodline. Like, really, I had no idea. And it was like a gut kick, a gut kicking experience. Like, every time I get deep in it, it's like someone kicked me in my gut. So moving forward, I eventually had to stand up for myself. And I'm trying to do what I need to do moving forward, even in the midst of all this pandemic. I'm yeah. still going to do what I have yeah. to do. And then my kids started having problems. So it's been a lot, but I know my ancestors are, are guiding me. Sometimes I don't understand, but I know that I'm being watched over and I'm guided. That I know. You know, but I'm certainly here for, you. to them for that. I'm certainly here for you. I appreciate your your comment, call, you. and your 
participation in the show. Of course, if you, if you want to discuss further, if you want to look at, uh, at a reading or doing any kind of work, you can also contact me at my website and at my email, um, and I'll be more than I happy. Surely will. I surely will. I surely will, because I do want to talk to you off the air. You know, really, I wish I could meet you. At one point, I was trying to come to New Orleans. I was supposed to yeah. come to New Orleans, but I didn't go because I was afraid to travel alone. But yeah. I'm going to make well, it down there when the dust settles, definitely. But I do want to talk to you beforehand. Well, I appreciate you, beloved, and I look forward to having an opportunity to assist you in your death. I appreciate you, too. I'm going to appreciate move forward. I'm going to move forward um, time and love and support and energy and ashe that you bring to this sacred space. Remember the creation of sacred space. Inner sacred space and outer sacred space is crucial. It's critical to any spiritual endeavor, to any spiritual growth, any spiritual development or maturity. One must create sacred space. And always spiritual power lies in its efficacy, its ability to create lasting, tangible, reliable, repeatable, documentable results right now, right here, not tomorrow, not after we die, not after we go to heaven, but right now, in this most present moment in time and space. It's truly a blessing if you can just see beyond the veil, for it's all just that illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. Be different. Be yourself. Be yourself. Be neighborly. Be hopeful. Be creative. Be calm. Be good. Be present. Be still. Be meditative. Be contemplative. Well, be safe. Be happy. Be grateful. Be patient. Be prayerful. Be mindful. Be conscious. Be aware. Be loved. Be proactive. Be available. Be strong. Be phenomenal. And by all means, stay home. Stay home. Stay safe and stay home. All is truly and indeed a blessing. Uh, and Odavo. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio listeners. I certainly appreciate you. Love you. Look forward to connecting to you again. Congo Square. The almost Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our hosts, the almost Indians, they put
pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Le Place de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de gras cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang... We beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart Beat, heart, beat, heart, be at this place, at this place, be heart, beat, beat, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we 
became what we are. Be Bambula dance. Be Banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate, whip out of us. But no matter... No matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember. To beat, to be, beat, Congo Square, be, Congo Square, beat, be, beat,